Pod Studios. About two years ago, I met a couple named Don and Leandra Morris while attending a true crime convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. Don and Leandra attended CrimeCon in the hopes of spreading awareness about their daughter, Ashley Morris Mullis, who had been missing for a few years. Unfortunately, they had trouble getting into the convention, and as you might expect, that wasn't okay with me. Don, Leandra, and I have stayed in touch over the last two years. Their life is a daily struggle of living without their daughter. In the summer of 2017, I interviewed Don Morris. I wanted to share their daughter's story and increase awareness about her disappearance. Today is Ashley's birthday, and in honor of that, I am re-releasing this episode about the disappearance of Ashley Morris Mullis. Please give this episode a listen and follow Don on Facebook as he frequently posts information, updates, and the efforts he and Leandra make every day in their quest to find their daughter, Ashley. There's more mischief, mayhem, and nefarious goings-on in the city of brotherly love than Billy Penn could have ever imagined. We've got it all here on the Twisted Billy Podcast. True crime, haunted history, the coolest and creepiest places to visit. Welcome Welcome to to Twisted Twisted Billy. Hey, Twisters, what up? Welcome back to another episode of Twisted Philly. I'm your host, Dina Marie. This episode is a real departure for me and for the show. It's something I've never done before. It's not a story from Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, but it's a story I was compelled to share with all of you. You all know I was in Indianapolis for CrimeCon. One morning, I was outside chatting with some listeners who became new friends, and one of them was holding a missing persons flyer. There was a photograph of a beautiful young mother named Ashley Morris Mullis. Ashley's parents were standing near the hotel on the corner. Their names are Don and Leandra Morris. Leandra is beautiful, and you can see Ashley's resemblance to her mother. They both have long, dark hair. Leandra is so petite, but her personality is anything but small. When I met her and Don on that street in Indianapolis, Leandra had just taken a photograph of someone she'd given a missing flyer to only moments before, and that person threw the flyer in the trash. Leandra followed him, snapped a photo of him and the flyer in the trash, and shared it on social media. She is my kind of woman. Don Morris, Ashley's father, was very tall and slender with long white hair and a white beard and mustache. They'd come to Indy that day specifically because of CrimeCon. They knew Nancy Grace was there, and they were hoping to come into the convention to hand out missing persons flyers to the attendees. And unfortunately, because they weren't registered attendees, they were denied access. They were also hoping to talk with Nancy Grace because she'd interviewed Don about his daughter, Ashley. I'd never met anyone who had a missing family member. Like you, I listen to podcasts about missing persons cases. I watch Dateline and 2020. I watch the ID channel. And I think it must be unbearable to live through not knowing what happened to your loved one. And still, I can't even begin to understand that experience. That last day of CrimeCon, I spent time talking with Don and Leandra as often as I could. I took their flyers, which they were told they weren't allowed to hand out, and I handed them out as attendees left one of the large ballrooms at the end of a session. Yeah, if the CrimeCon folks listen, they may not be happy with me, and I'm okay with that. Don, Leandra, and I connected on Facebook, and I told them I would share their story on Twisted Philly to help spread the word about their daughter Ashley. 
A few weeks after CrimeCon, I spoke one-on-one with Don Morris to learn more about Ashley, who she was as a daughter and a mom, and what's been happening with her case since Ashley Morris Mullis disappeared in September 2013, almost four years ago, outside of Muncie, Indiana. Since that time, there's been no word from Ashley. She hasn't contacted her parents. She hasn't contacted her children. At the time of her disappearance, Ashley had three children, a five-year-old son, a two-year-old son, and a six-month-old daughter. Her boys are now about nine and six, and her daughter would be about three. One thing both Don and Leandra Morris are certain about is that Ashley would never have left her children. She would not willingly spend years away from her kids. Don and I spoke early one Sunday morning. My primary concern was ensuring he had an opportunity to share whatever he wanted, anything he felt was important about his daughter Ashley and her missing persons case. My first question for him was to ask if he would tell me about Ashley. And that was such a hard question to ask. It makes sense. Can you tell me about your daughter? Yet I asked this question knowing Don hadn't seen his daughter in almost four years, and instantly I felt horrible for asking. But Don seemed so happy to talk about Ashley, the daughter who loved to craft with her dad, who loved to hunt for treasures at flea markets or yard sales and refinish them with her father. Well, Ashley and I had done a lot of crafts together, and as a person, she was crafty. We used to do antiques together and, you know, she would repad the seats and, you know, we would, we would sell. Her woodworking skills was over the top. Ashley was a real good mother to her kids, made sure they had the most of everything and real pleasant to be around. Kind hearted, loving, just all around good person. It just saddens me that she's not here. And it's hard for me to do the crafts I used to do with Ashley not around because she was big inspiration on me. You know, she would help me and she would, you know, just get totally involved in it. You know, she was just fun to be around. You know, she was just just a big help. I mean, tremendous help in uh, in my life, you know, in her mother's life as well. I mean, anything her mother needed done, Ashley was there to help her do it. I mean, she was very, very outgoing person, but she she loved to, you know, swim. She loved to fish. She loved to camp. You know, I mean, she was just, like I say, she loved to do it all. It just saddened us that she's just off and going. Ashley Morris Mullis was last seen by her family at a party on September 19th, when she was 27 years old. When Ashley left the party, there was no indication anything was wrong, at least not in the way she behaved that day. NBC affiliate WTHR in Indiana reported that shortly before her disappearance, local police had a warrant for Ashley because of a failure to appear in court. However, as I dug further into this, I learned it was a hearing that Ashley claimed she knew nothing about. Ashley and her husband, Justin Mullis, were separated. She left the home they shared, leaving behind two dogs because her husband was still there and she believed he was caring for them. But apparently her husband did the same thing soon after. And somehow Ashley was the one charged with neglect and was scheduled to appear in court. She was unaware of the hearing. She was moving around. She was unaware that she had been accused of any wrongdoing. But regardless, because she didn't appear in court, a warrant was issued for her arrest. Both her family and the investigators believe this situation was a misunderstanding that would have been easily resolved, and neither believe it was a catalyst for Ashley's disappearance. No one believes she left on her own. 
Some of the news reports I read indicated there was a gap of a few weeks between the time Ashley disappeared and when a missing persons report was filed. I asked Don Morris about this, and from what he shared with me, he struggled to get clear direction from law enforcement regarding who would take the report and ultimately who would work the case, the city police or the county sheriff's office. Well, some of it was due to the sheriff's department because when we filed a report three different times with the city police, but it was happening in the county, so the city police said, well, we have to file with the county, but they kept sending the city police. For three days, they did this. Then the paperwork was sent on the county's desk for like five days prior to that after we dealt with the city police, so it sat on their desk for another five days before they even picked it up. Don gave me electronic copies of every piece of documentation he has associated with Ashley's case, and he gave me permission to speak about them. I'll talk about a number of those files throughout this episode. I want to call out that what Don shared about multiple attempts to file a missing persons report and being sent back and forth between the city and the county is documented in the case report detail on October 15, 2013. Don and his wife, Leandra, have never stopped searching for Ashley. They spend many weekends standing on street corners, like the one where I met them in Indianapolis, handing out missing persons flyers and keeping Ashley's name in the public. They also continually contact law enforcement officials and local government for updates, demanding that they stay focused on finding Ashley. The mayor said he'd get two city police officers on it and never has done so. Delaware County Sheriff is supposed to get another investigator on it, and he's supposed to talk to me within a couple weeks, and it's been a couple weeks already. So it's just, you know, they just tell you what they want to tell you. The only time I get any updates is when I go get them. As you plainly see in the paperwork I sent you, they led me to believe there were several pages. They said, Don, it costs like a dollar seventy a page to get these case files. Do you really want a case file? Because it could cost you, there's sometimes two and three hundred pages. Pages. And so they led me to believe, you know, it was going to cost me three or four hundred dollars for these case files. You know, this took about a week to get one. You know, they led me to believe there was going to be hundreds of pages. So I, I stayed on their butt. Now, yeah, I don't care what it costs. I want a case file. Come to find out when I get the case file, there's one page. Yeah, there, there wasn't much there. Exactly. Don alleged both the mayor and the county sheriff's office haven't followed through on their commitments to assign more officers or provide updates to Don. I did contact both the Delaware County Sheriff's Office and the city police in Indiana. I wanted to give them an opportunity to share what they could, considering this is an open investigation. I first called the city, who told me the investigation was being led by the county, specifically by an investigator named Kurt Waltower. I then called the county sheriff's office. I left messages on both the general investigator voicemail as well as the investigator for this case. And as of the release of this episode, I haven't yet heard back from anyone. I will continue my attempts at contacting them. Another document Don Morris shared with me was a paternity affidavit, which documented the paternity of Ashley Morris Mullis' daughter, Abigail Mullis, who was born in March 2013. Ashley's husband, Justin Mullis, was not Abigail's father, rather a man named Daniel York, who was 60 at the time of Ashley's disappearance and also lived in Royerton, Indiana. She was married to a guy named Justin Mullis, and Justin and her uh, were separated, and Justin's cousin took Ashley to get some mechanic work at this Dan York's garage. I guess she got involved with this York guy, and he made her a bunch of promises, you know, hey, you know, we'll go to Florida, and, you know, you can stay at this house, and, and uh, he was married at the time, too, and he died married. 
that's how they originally got involved through actually needing assistance with with her car. So Dan had provided a house for one of his rentals. I learned from Ashley's father, Don, that Dan York, the man who'd been seeing Ashley in the months before her disappearance, and the father of her daughter, Abigail Mullis, was married. And from what Don shared, plus what I've read online, it sounded as though his wife knew about the relationship. Dan's relationship to Ashley wasn't the only connection to this case. Dan York's cousin was the chief of police at the time of Ashley Morris Mullis' disappearance. And while I don't know for certain that relationship prevented Dan York from being investigated, based on what Don shared with me and what I've found online, it would seem that's what happened. Dan York was never investigated, which to me is odd. Even if he were to have been found innocent and have absolutely no connection to Ashley's disappearance, in almost every case when someone goes missing, the police look at the spouse or the partner of the missing person if they're in a relationship. And now it's impossible to do that because Dan York is deceased. Dan York's cousin was the chief of police at that time, and his name was Stroggins, Michael Stroggins. But since he's passed away as well, so everybody that was involved with this case is pretty much put out of commission. Now the, the lawyer that York went to to keep from going to the police, he just died last week. Everybody that's been involved with this case has passed away. You know, it's bizarre to me to say that karma is a big word. It might not seem so big, but karma is a big word. Why would someone want to hurt Ashley Morris Mullis? Why would someone want to take her away from her family, from her parents who adore her and her three beautiful children? Ashley's father, Don Morris, has some ideas, and he alleged there were connections between Ashley and other members of the Royerton community, as well as Delaware County, Indiana, resulting from a potential malpractice suit Ashley was bringing against a physician Years ago, Ashley had her adenoids removed, and during that procedure, this particular physician administered too much anesthesia to Ashley when she had surgery, and it's been causing her health problems ever since. Don Morris alleged this physician and Dan York were connected in a drug operation, and that through Ashley's pursuit of the malpractice suit, she possibly uncovered something she shouldn't have. Ashley had uh, been to the doctors when she was a young kid to get her adenoids out. Well, they give her too much medicine, and it caused her to have uh, bone decay in her joints. So Ashley had come a couple months prior to that to get the paperwork because she just wanted to get a lawsuit. So I think she just got too involved in what's going on in Delaware County here with this doctor because this doctor was giving drugs to this York guy. But when I give these reports to the police, they do nothing with them. It's just hard for me as a, as a parent to try and get answers when every time you give them, you know, something to the police that they just don't do nothing with it. I have to reiterate, Don Morris's claims are allegations. They're based on his experiences with law enforcement, with people connected to the case, what he's been told by members of the community, or what he personally has uncovered. And I don't say that to question or dispute Don's allegations, but since I wasn't able to personally corroborate some of what he shared, I have to position his statements as such. I did, however, find a considerable amount of information about Daniel York. Ashley's disappearance isn't the first time Daniel York's name came up associated with possible foul play. In November 2010, a young woman was found burned to death in a room at a Budget Inn motel in Daleville, Indiana. Her name was Heather Muzik, 
and she struggled with an addiction to prescription pain medication. Just about two weeks before her death, she contacted her family and said she wanted to get clean. Her father set her up in a residence down the street from his own so he could assist Heather in her recovery. But after just a few days, she was back on drugs. The night before the fire that took her life, a man paid for a room for Heather at that Budget Inn motel. And that man was Daniel York, the father of Ashley Morris Mollis's baby, Abigail. Dan York refused to speak with Daleville police. In January 2011, according to the Herald Bulletin newspaper, Dan York hired an attorney, and the police had to go through the attorney to speak with Daniel. While the attorney said he would be willing to speak with Daleville police, his attorney actually never got back to the police, and as hard as I searched for updates, that was all I could find about Daniel York's involvement with Heather Musick's death. Guests in the Budget Inn on either side of the room said Heather had visitors off and on that night, and by the next day, her room had been destroyed by fire, and Heather along with it. Heather Musick was murdered in November 2010. Ashley Morris Mullis went missing in September 2013. The more I researched Ashley's story, the more I found young women from, in, or around Muncie who'd gone missing or have been found murdered. Angie Barlow was 23 years old when she went missing after a party on October 27th in 2016. Her remains were found last month in June behind a house in Muncie, Indiana. The police have stated the homeowner seems to have no connection to Angie nor any connection to her disappearance or her murder. Like Ashley, Angie was in her 20s. She was petite and attractive with long brown hair. And strangely enough, there's another similarity between Angie and Ashley's case. The grandmother of both girls were either scammed or robbed. Someone stole thousands of dollars from Angie Barlow's grandmother's bank account. And Don Morris told me that shortly before Ashley's disappearance, someone stole her grandmother's credit card, raking up thousands of dollars. Joelle Lockwood was 30 from Evansville, Indiana, when she went missing on July 30th, 2014. Like Ashley, she is a mother with young children. She's petite. She's attractive with long brown hair. Christy Kelly was 27 when she went missing in Boonville, Indiana, less than 20 miles from where Joelle Lockwood went missing. Christy disappeared August 14, 2014, less than a month after Joelle Lockwood. And like all the other names I've already mentioned, Christy was petite. She was attractive with long, dark hair. Christy also has young children. Brianna DeBatiste, 25, went missing on June 16, 2014. She was petite. She was attractive. She had long brown hair. Brianna didn't have kids, however, and the police seemed to think her disappearance was drug-related. Although her family believed even if it did have something to do with drugs, Brianna never would have willingly left her family without a word. Her remains were found almost four months after her disappearance in September 2014 in the woods in Jay County, Indiana, on the grounds of a conservation club. April 15, 2013, Jessica Masker, petite, long brown hair, also a mother with young children. Six women, including Ashley, in a span of about a year to a year and a half. Seven, if you include Heather Musick, from 2010. There are countless blogs and internet armchair detective sites that discuss connections between these cases. 
especially because of the similarities of the victims in their appearance and their stature. But police in Indiana have yet to uncover any solid connection that I was able to find. Could it be coincidental? I I don't know. But it is really hard to ignore the number of young women who went missing in such a small area in a very short period of time. See, I wasn't familiar with them cases because you don't think about these things until it happens. Right. You know, you really don't get involved with, you know, what's going on around you on, on a fact like this until it happens to you. So any of them prior to Ashley's disappearance, I didn't really, you know, acknowledge them because, you know, it wasn't out there. And Delaware right. County's got a way of just keeping it secluded. I tried to get it in the paper, and the paper couldn't do nothing because they had to go through the sheriff's department to get it in the paper. They have to go through the sheriff's department to get approval to put an article in the newspaper? Yeah, because it's an ongoing case, see? And they don't want no okay. information out. And, they, and, and that's crap because the people out there is the ones that usually solve the cases. Don Morris and I continued talking about Daniel York because Dan and his wife, Sheila York, continued playing a role in this case. Daniel had some significant issues with the state of Muncie before he moved to Florida and passed away. This Dan York guy was involved in 2010 with Heather Music that burned up in a hotel room in Delville, and that's one city over from Muncie. It's just bizarre how much this guy got away with because now he's dead. Now he, now we can't hold him liable for what he's done, but the police department should have picked up on He had tax warrants for 400 and some thousand dollars on properties he owned in Delaware County. I was able to corroborate much of what Don Mars shared with me. Daniel York had tax liens applied to his properties in 2003, 2005, multiple times in 2007, and throughout much of 2008 through 2013. In 2011, Daniel York was charged with interference in the reporting of a crime. He was found guilty on November 15th of that year, and it was just one year after Heather Musick was found burned to death in that motel in Daleville. Although the report I saw doesn't specifically say if this charge was in connection with Heather's death. Daniel York passed away in 2015 in Sarasota, Florida. He was 62. He was survived by his wife, Sheila Fultz York. And when Daniel died, Ashley's daughter, Abigail, was living with him and Sheila in Florida. Remember, Daniel was her biological father. And what I learned about that situation from the documentation Don Morris shared with me was shocking. Are you and Leandra still trying to get custody of, of Abigail and, and bring her back from Florida? We've been trying. I mean, you've seen, you know, two different court dates that we took them to court and uh, trying. But now at this point, but, uh, Delaware County keeps throwing me out. I don't even make it to see the judge. The state of Indiana says that you must have DNA within 60 days to even prove it to your kid. So there was no proof that that was even his kid within the 60 days. When they went to Florida and did that, that's all fraud. But the state of Indiana or Delaware County will not stand up for my rights and go after her. So what they tell me at the courts here is I have to go to Florida and start all over again. I've already spent $10,000 here. Now they tell me i got to go to Florida and do the same thing and start all over from somewhere where they shouldn't even have been able to go because they didn't really have legal residence in Florida. Regarding Abigail Mullis' adoption by Sheila York, the wife of Daniel York, who had an affair with Ashley Morris Mullis before her disappearance, Florida Circuit Court Judge Frederick Mercurio ruled in favor of Sheila York. Ashley's parental rights were terminated, and on August 1st, 2016, Judge Mercurio finalized the adoption. 
What happens if Ashley is found one day? What happens if she returns home to her family and her children, only to find her daughter was adopted by her boyfriend's wife instead of being cared for by her parents, Abigail's grandparents? When I listened to Don tell me the story of Abigail's adoption and the termination of Ashley's parental rights, and I read the final judgment of adoption Don sent me, it sounded like the Yorks set Ashley up to have a child so that Sheila York could ultimately have a child. I don't know this. There are no facts that can prove what I believe, and my belief is certainly not fact. It's simply an assessment I'm making based on the information shared with me by Don Morris and the documentation he sent me. But I can't help but wonder what would happen if Ashley was found and found alive and realized that her parental rights had been terminated in absentia. As a parent, I cannot begin to understand what Don and Leandra Morris go through every day trying to find their daughter. Desperate for answers or information from the police and based on what Don Morris shared with me, they get very little response from law enforcement. On top of Ashley's disappearance, it's as if their granddaughter disappeared because they can't see her either. They know where she is. They're trying to fight for custody, and instead custody was awarded to someone who has nothing to do with Ashley or Abigail's family. I asked Don Morris what our listeners could do if anyone wanted to do something to help. Would it be to call the Delaware County, Indiana Sheriff's Office and encourage them to keep Ashley's case at the forefront of their investigations? Would it be to contact the judge in Florida and share their thoughts about his decision to let Sheila York adopt Abigail Mullis, Ashley's daughter? Don said all of the above. He and Leandra are doing everything they can to keep Ashley's name in the public and try to get closure. Well, I, I, I appreciate any help we can get from anybody out there because you know it's just traumatizing to us that you know we can't get no answers and the only time we see the police is when we go to see the police and they've so much as even went out the back door on me so they didn't have to talk to me you know like you said we just need to get more people involved in it and that's why me and Leander go out and do the things we do we hold signs and you know we get more people involved I told Don and Leandra Morris, I wish I'd met them under other circumstances. I really like them. I'm blown away by their ability to continue pushing on every day under the circumstances in which they're living. I think about them every single day since I've met them. I think about Ashley and her two little boys. I think about her brothers who miss her, her daughter, Abigail. I think about Don and Leandra and how they continue to persevere every day. My family just got blown to pieces. It affects everybody. You know, she's got two brothers, and, you know, it's it's affected them tremendously. I mean, there's just, you know, Leander. I mean, this, this ain't the same woman I married 30-some years ago. I mean, it's just completely changed her total outlook on life. She locks every door behind her. You know, she's. I get out of the car, I go in to pay for gas. She locks the doors behind me, and it, it's traumatized her, I guess you might say. I mean, it's just she don't trust a soul. You met her. I mean, you see how she is. I mean, she's kind of concealed. I mean, she won't talk about it a whole lot. She she puts me out there to talk about it because, you know, she's concealed herself from environments. It's sad. I'd like to give you all some information where you can find out more about Ashley Morris Mullis. There's a Facebook page, 
Missing Ashley Morris Mullis, where you can see pictures and share your support with her family, Don and Leandra. The Delaware County Indiana Sheriff's Office investigators can be reached at 765-747-7881. Again, that number is 765-747-7881. Just in case you'd like to call them and encourage them to follow up with Don and Leandra Morris and let them know people all over the country are aware of Ashley's story and we are all looking for answers. You can tweet Nancy Grace, you can tweet Josh Mankowitz, and ask them to cover Ashley's story. Nancy Grace interviewed Don Morris. I shared that interview on my Facebook page for Twisted Philly, and I'll share it again. Don and Leandra, if you're listening, my continued prayers go out to you both. I'm so grateful to Don Morris for spending time with me and sharing Ashley's story. As always, I want to thank you all for listening. That's it from me for today. Ciao for now, Twisters.